Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Thursday, March 23rd is here. On today's show, Ben welcomes back 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor to the show. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Find it all there at Chicago Reader. Hey, uh, you can find more stuff from Ben Jarofsky there, too. All you have to do is head on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. Now, that's a hard one to spell, so I'm going to spell it out for you here. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, SKY. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this 46% Thursday, and here's why. Because 46% is the number where Paul Vallis is right now in the latest poll I saw. And I know what you're going to say, listeners. You're going to say, Ben, I thought you don't believe in polls. I don't. I really don't. My attitude about polls, my distinguished uh, guest, Jeanette Taylor, listening to this one, my attitude about polls is this. I've never been in a political campaign. I've always been on the outside looking in. My general view is that if a campaign releases a poll, (laughs) don't believe them. That's just my view. Sorry, Jeanette Taylor. That is my view. If a campaign releases a poll, don't believe them. Why? Because it's always like some strategic interest for releasing a poll. It's like propaganda. They either want to fire up uh, their supporters or undercut the other supporters, you know, deflate the others. Like, you can't beat us. That's sort of the general attitude of, like, Vallis and Daly. You can't beat us. So don't even cry, lefties. So this poll, I don't even know who put it out. I can't remember which. Oh, and by the way, I do believe polls can be valid, but I think campaigns tied to good stuff. You know what I'm saying? They hide it. (laughs) They feed you like the propaganda. Open up public. We're going to put this in your mouth. Eat it. Swallow. (laughs) They keep the good stuff. So anyway, one thing I've noticed about all the polls that come out is that Paul Vallis is always in the lead. But he hasn't broken 50 percent. Hasn't broken 50 percent. And, you know, I'm sitting here scratching my head. Hmm. Oh, Paul, now he's up to 46 percent, but he's not over 50. And I know, I know Paul Vallis supporters, they're so happy. They're so eager. They're just so thrilled at the prospect of their guy. He's so close. They can taste it. So many of you voters in the Northwest, Southwest side, with your little Paul Vallis signs up. I'm going to put three Paul Vallis signs up. This one dude lives down the street, but he's got three Paul Vallis signs. I'm like, dude, don't you think one is enough? No, I want three to let the world know what I really think. So they're really so eager. I know. But I don't know if those communities of Paul Vallis supporters are enough to put him over to the top. Suddenly, all those business leaders in Chicago, all those corporate leaders in Chicago throwing that money at Paul Vallis, all those Northwest and Southwest centers who are so excited are having to come face to face with reality that their guy might not win. 
that Brandon Johnson might win. I hate to rain on your parade, corporate Chicago, powers that be, almighty editorial writers. <laughs> I hate to rain on your parade, but there's a possibility that your worst nightmare is about to come true. Imagine Jeanette Taylor as mayor of the city of Chicago. <laughs> that is kind of what it's like with Brandon. I mean, they're two different people. They're two very different people. I've known them both for a while. I mean, I could go on and on about the differences between my distinguished guest, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor and Brandon Johnson. But ideologically speaking, they're pretty close. Very close. And so the notion of a Je Jeanette Taylor sort of like sitting in the fifth floor of City Hall has gotten a lot of people, uh, I'm scared, uh, throw more money at Vallis, throw more money at Vallis. You know, more every day, a new, a new establishment figure comes out, I'm endorsing Paul Vallis. My old friend Pat Quinn did it the other day. Come on, Patrick, you're better than that. Before that, Jesse White. He came out for Vallis. J.B. Pritzker, I don't know where J.B. is, hiding under a desk somewhere. I don't want to get involved. I was getting a little nervous out there. <laughs> uh, come on, J.B., you can come on out and endorse Brandon Johnson. It won't kill you. Guys, I think you're closer, ideologically speaking, with Brandon Johnson than you are with uh, Paul Vallis, who goes as a, a guest host on the Dan Proft show. Anyway, a hilarious bit in today's Sun-Times before I bring on Jeanette Taylor. Uh, it's an article about Brandon Johnson appearing before uh, <laughs> the Cranes Chicago Business Editorial Board. Now, this is a ritual in Chicago politics. Uh, every time a lefty runs for um, mayor, that lefty, he or she, is brought before the Cranes Editorial Board, the businessmen of Chicago, the bottom line people, the corporate leadership of Chicago. <laughs> Most of them are Republicans, let's be honest. But they always cut deals with these quote-unquote Democrats, like daily, Democrat in quotes, Rom, Democrat in quotes, and now Vallis, the lifelong Democrat. That's what he says. He's been a lifelong Democrat, except for the part of the life when he wasn't a Democrat, he was a Republican. But then you can't really say you're a lifelong Democrat if there was a part of your life when you weren't a Democrat. Just say it, Paul. Anyway, they are grilling Brandon Johnson. What's your plan? They always grill. They bring some lefty out there. What's your plan for dealing with the fiscal realities of the city of Chicago? Hey, corporate Chicago, I know what his plan is. His plan is to pray. His plan is to pray that the economy improves. Just like I got news for you. His plan is pretty much the same as Paul Vallis's plan. In reality, Brandon Johnson has a whole series of initiatives that are intended to be progressive taxes, which would go on the wealthiest people in Chicago so that they shoulder more of the burden of the cost of living in Chicago because they're wealthier. They can afford it, hence progressivity. But as the article points out, there's no guarantee that he'll get those through the city council. So they're grilling him. Well, if you can't get it through the city council, what's your plan? First of all, who the heck thinks that far ahead, number one? And number two, if he had a plan, do you think he would tell it to you? Like, I'm not, I'm not telling you my plan so you can make fun of that. It reminds me of J.B. Pritzker when he was running in 2018, and he was kind of, sort of, for the graduated income tax, raising the rates in the highest, and they grilled him. What? What are the rates? I was one of those guys grilling. You kind of have to do it. 
like when you're part of the media mob, you got to be a mobster. And so you ask the question, what's your plan? What's the rate? JB's looking at all. So I, I used to call him uh, JB Travolta because he was quick on his feet when it came to dancing around that question. <laughs> JB Travolta. <laughs> staying alive. Staying alive. One of Jeanette Taylor's favorite songs from the 70s, by the way. She's a huge BG fan. Uh, and then finally, we'll close with it before I bring Jeanette on. On page 14 of the Sun-Times, reality setting in. Here, here's your what's your plan. Now is the time for new mayor general assembly to avoid 600 million CPS deficit, Board of Ed says. Oh, no, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now that the election's over, Okay, or at least now that the first round is over, Lori Lightfoot is not going to be in the runoff. Her appointees at the Board of Ed are saying, uh-oh, we have a $600 million deficit. <laughs> I don't know where they were, like, in January when Lori was running. You know, back then it was, what a remarkable steward of, fight, of our fiduciary interest Lori Lightfoot has been. What a great mayor she's been. We then they bow down to her. But now suddenly she's not going to be the mayor. It's going to be a new mayor. And guess what? $600 million deficit. One of the solutions they give, I'll close with this. Uh, they talk about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's stewardship. And they said this, the mayor gave CPS more TIF dollars, but not enough to cover the shipping costs. I, I'm, I'm, folks, I'm just going to do this my whole life. The mayor didn't, quote unquote, give the Board of Ed TIF dollars. The mayor took property tax dollars from the Board of Ed to fortify the TIF program and then like threw a few crumbs back their way. They took like a, imagine, think of it this way, folks. They took like a dollar in TIF money and gave 25 cents back and then act like, oh man, what a great fiduciary steward I am. Anyway. Anyway, Jeanette Taylor, I just had to get that off my chest. I apologize okay. if I offended any of your friends in that rant, but I had to get it off my chest. Welcome back, Jeanette Taylor. Good me, my friends. Thanks. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm just, every day I wake up and I read more nonsense in the papers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's hilarious. Like, we don't already know the damage of Paul Vallis. We live it. It's how we got here. And so I'm confused why anybody would think that he's qualified to run the fifth floor. He's going to be 10 times as worse as her. Like, come on, let's call it what it is. He started school probation. He ushered in charter schools. He had already stopped paying the pensions and then tries to blame it all on Arnie Duncan. No, sir, you started it. It was you. I was there. I know. So you destroyed Chicago. You destroyed Philadelphia and New Orleans, and you now you want to come back and re-mess us up? No, good luck, Chuck. No thanks. Uh, you're ready to rock and roll, just like me. I could see Jeanette, but I got one. I'm going back to this article in the Sun Times. Just want to share something with you before we get uh, take the deep dive. Uh, and so, you know, like I said, corporate Chicago is represented by cranes, and they're grilling Brandon. Uh, and they said Johnson was asked whether he was prepared to sacrifice portions of his, quote, invest in people agenda if the only way to pay for it is to raise property taxes. I had a laugh. Like, the invest in people agenda is a catchphrase or a PR slogan that they put on basically a, a, an initiative to spend more money in poor neighborhoods. Like, those neighborhoods haven't already sacrificed. 
And to me, Jeanette, the I would I mean, the worst part about the Southwest initiative, the Lori Lightfoot program is this. It's a PR slogan. You and I know it. It didn't really mean a significant redistribution of money to poor neighborhoods in the South and the West Side. But she she said it so many times that people began to repeat it. And now folks at Cranes and folks downtown, they act as though they really have given more money to poor people. Do you follow what I'm saying? Was you saying that when you built the Wind Trust Theater? I'll wait. Was you saying that when you redid the, the what is it, the, what is that thing called that they knocked everything down that Ron did before he left? Lincoln Yards. Absolutely. Like, please, these people have lost their mind, and this is about them losing their little power that they think they have. We want a city that does invest in everybody. And this violence that we're experiencing is because y'all been so greedy. TIF dollars were supposed to go to communities who lost investment. All y'all did was pour them downtown into up north communities and then say, oh, we've built this up. Yeah, with our dollars. I go to the Wind Trust and I'm trying to figure out why I keep buying a ticket when I already paid for it. You already took dollars from our community. I should be going to this concert for free. And so miss me with that BS. What's the, the panic is, the 10 percenters are now going to have to pay their fair share and they don't want to do that. But y'all said the hell with every last one of us from the beginning. The majority of the businesses that are owned in the city of Chicago are white owned, ain't black owned. We own none of the institutions in our community. So how did Invest Southwest do us right? It gave major developers more money to develop in our community. Only thing that gave us an Invest Southwest is a seat at the table so we can cuss y'all out about what we like and don't like. They already baked the cake. All we are is frosting and sprinkles, and I'm not frosting and sprinkles, damn it. They already baked the cake. They baked the cake already. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the last four years. Oof. I When you mentioned Wintrust, which I used to call the DePaul Basketball Arena. Mm -hmm. Sold the naming rights, but that's what it was billed as when they originally built it on, on in the South Loop. Uh, paid for it with public dollars. Um, the first time I think I, I, I think the first time I ever went in there, and I had the same feeling you did, uh, Jeanette. I was just like, oh, I paid for this. Mm. <laughs> I paid for this. They should like give me some kind of special privilege. I don't know, a free hot dog or something. We all. Uh, but. Um, was to hear uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's uh, inaugural address and to watch. That's funny. That was yeah. the first time I was in it. That is hilarious. Because I yeah. never wanted to go in. And, and after I went that one time, I was like, okay, I might as well go see concerts here since my tax dollars paid for it. But I was there when she was shaking her head talking about all the matter prerogative and what we ain't going to do and what she going to do and intimidating people. You sis. Uh, so let's talk about that. It was almost four years ago. It was May of 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, I still remember the day. I remember watching. You were uh, that was you were you rookie. Yeah, you were you were getting sworn in. You're now four year veteran. You were reelected. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, without a runoff. And um, so just uh, reflect a little bit about the four years. What it's like to be an older woman and uh, your thoughts about Mayor Lori Lightfoot, then and now. Go ahead. So there are 
my last four years have been interesting and a learning experience. It's been hard. I won't, I won't say that it hasn't because they don't give you a book to tell you how to do your job. They literally say, here's the budget, you figure it out. Unless you, like people like Sue Garza um, brought us, all us newbies in, had us meet with her staff. And that's kind of how we got acclimated for what's supposed to happen in the office. Um, my previous chief of staff, uh, shout out to Candace Castillo, used to call the other chiefs of staff to figure out some of the things we need to work out. But the city hall doesn't do a good job at telling what you have to do. And so our first year in office was a real struggle. And then right after that, we went into COVID. So we didn't get to experience it like other aldermen do. And so it hasn't been easy. Um, I will say the first year with her, I was inspired. I really was because I felt like we would have briefings at every moment. She would always call and say, hey, we're thinking about this legislation or we're thinking about doing this. Um, and we talked. We were informed. The minute COVID hit and she got them ultimate powers, she lost her whole mind. And so she started making decisions without talking to people. She's doing stuff in folks' ward without talking to them. She just... She lost it down hosted, as the kids say. She really did. And so the last couple of years, especially since her and I had this interaction, I have to work with her, but I was not friends with her like I was, or I felt like we were. So like when I would see her, I would check on her. I would text her and say, I hope you're taking care of yourself. When I saw her and her wife, I'm like, you need to take her away for a weekend. She looks tired. She's struggling. But when she confronted me in City Hall, it's like, I'm going to pray for you, is how it felt. And so for me, we could have got way more done if she started, if, she, if how she started is how we ended, and it could have got her reelected. She lied. She lied way too much. She lied, and you got caught in those lies. And so while I get you don't always want to air out City Hall's dirty laundry, you should have, because people don't trust you. And for me, it started with the Anjanette Young thing. You saying you didn't saw the, you didn't see the tapes. You did see the tapes. This didn't happen when you were in office. So why did you protect Ron? That lets me know you're part of that machine. And that means you don't deserve my support. You just can't get it. And so for me, you got your just desserts. You can't get it. You can't get on TV. You can't be at these forums saying you're going to be different. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be more transparent. And then... When opportunity presents itself, you are you turned into somebody none of us knew. Even a lot of people who were her floor leaders or her chairs couldn't work with her because she just wasn't honest. And so for me, I can't be a, I can't be a reference on your resume, but good luck in whatever you do for with the rest of your life. And I hope that she's learned a lesson that you have to work with people. There are some people in my ward that I know hate my guts. They could join the club. We got jackets. But at the end of the day, I don't have a luxury not to work with them because I understand what my work is. And I'm a servant to the city. Y'all knew this went bad when she said to them, who has the biggest, you know what? She doing stuff like that. Saying to the Black Caucus, we're unorganized. Y'all ain't having no meetings. Y'all ain't got no money. Y'all need to agree with the Latino Caucus when it comes to the war map. That's who we were dealing with down there. And so it was very bad. And for me, calling me to the back and personally attacking me and screaming at me like I'm a child 
was way too much. And so when I saw her in public, because people wanted us to fight, people wanted to keep kicking up that story. If she hugged me, I would hug her back, even though I'd be like, my mother's like, what would Jesus do? The thing I ain't Jesus. <laughs> when they go low, we go high. No, when they go low, I go to hell. No, we got to get to a place where we call people on their mess. And the city of Chicago called her on a mess, which is how, and I'm sure she's surprised, like a lot of us. I literally thought for sure she would be in the runoff. But people, we've learned that lesson. You, you can't tell me that it's raining and you, it, it's not. I could go outside and see that it's not raining. And so she betrayed the trust of our communities. And so this is how we got here. Um, this was not easy. I, I, I'm, I'm still, I still have sympathy for her. I honestly do. Because as a black woman in politics, it's very hard. I've seen moments where she would go in the back and cry. I've seen moments where she's been very frustrated and I get it because I get that same disrespect sometimes. I feel like in city council from some of my coworkers, some of the people that I have to work with. So I understand it completely, but not being honest and lying and not saying one thing and doing something different, the, the voters didn't take to it. And we know, usually when people get on their commercials, put on their fancy green sweaters and cry and say, I'm gonna do better. We sometimes believe him, which is how we got wrong for two years, for two terms. It's not working anymore. We can't afford it. Not when you got an 11 year old carjacking. He's 11. He should be in somebody's school and somebody's after school program doing some type of work study or making sure he gets training. But you're not doing that. You too busy. You walked in to your job fighting with the CTU. Like, come on. Based on a bad relationship that somebody else had. When you know better, you do better. And you should have known from the last two previous administrations, CTU gave no about <laughs> what you got going on. These are the things we're negotiating on based on not just our teachers, but the needs of the young people in our community. And they couldn't, she couldn't see past that. And her mistreatment of Stacey Davis Gates is ridiculous. But then, of course, black people will be like, as black women, you shouldn't be fighting our. No, as black elders, you should be showing respect so you can get some respect. And she was very disrespectful during those times. So. You said a couple things uh, on that riff, uh, Jeanette, that I want to um, go back to. Did, okay. did I hear you correctly? You actually saw Mayor Lord Lightfoot crying at the Chicago. I did. City? When we were passing the ordinance around LGBTQ getting rights, um, because of the debate that was going on, because people was like, white men already get this. And so now white men, gay men will get more. There was a bunch of debate about it, which I felt like was healthy. People actually said what their communities were feeling or saying. And because she's an LGBTQ woman, she her feelings were hurt. They were. And so she went in the back and I just so happened to be going to the bathroom. Um, and I waited because I wanted her to have her time. I saw her wipe a tear from her eye. And it was, and I told her like, it's, it's okay. It's, it comes with the job. It comes with the territory. And so I've seen her be vulnerable in spaces and I've appreciated that. But also I've seen her call people liars. Her, what's going on between her and Byron Cicho Lopez? Like Byron, I'm lying on you. Like Byron is telling, I'm not lying on you. At the last city council meeting, she called me a liar. I got the receipts and I don't got a reputation for lying. You do. 
Now what? And so those are the things that make me understand why people did not want to vote for her again for another term. And think about this, that's only happened twice in Chicago history. It was her and I can't think of the other gentleman's name who after four term, after four years, they didn't reelect him. Uh, well, Michael Balanik was uh, defeated in uh, 1979 uh, by Jane Byrne. After two years, he filled out the vacancy of uh, Richard J. Daly after J. Mm-hmm. Uh, old man Daly died. And then Jane Byrne herself was defeated. Uh, she's the only fully full term elected mayor until um, Lori Lightfoot, who was defeated in 1983 uh, by the great uh, Harold Washington. Uh, Absolutely. The stuff I know, Jeanette Taylor. Uh, you know it all. <laughs> you know it all, man. <laughs> Been around a long time. Uh, the other thing you said, and I would love for you to follow up on it if you would. Uh, you were treated with dis- disrespect by other aldermen. I've heard this so many times. So many different uh, aldermen have told me over the years about it. Uh, in my mind, the city council, I say this all the time, Gregory Pratt and I laugh about this. City council to me is like a high school cafeteria. Hmm. And the, the aldermen are like teenagers. And there's little cliques and little groups. And um, it was really bully boy days back in the ROM years when all the those aldermen who were part of the ROM group, which was most of them, but like they would pick on Sue Garza because she wore red. And Carlos Rosa. They call, oh, hated him. They oh, hated him. And so talk a little bit about your experiences uh, and how uh, they show disrespect to you. Go ahead. So one of my coworkers that I won't name said she always got something to say. I wish she would just shut up. I've heard these niggas in this space. Yes, I have. You would be surprised at some of the racist things. I have coworkers who have never spoken to me, ever. Walk past me every day and I don't speak to them either. That's the type of racist stuff, especially when you're an alderman and they feel like you don't know anything. They feel like as a rookie, I should just shut up and sit in my seat and learn. I've shut up for years. I'm here because y'all continue to talk and say nothing. And so I, I, you get that mistreatment as a freshman. The remap was one of the biggest places where I didn't learn anything. I learned absolutely nothing because it was so much fighting going on amongst the caucuses. And it was the one time I felt like I didn't learn anything. Usually when I'm in a space with my coworkers, like Ed Burke, when he opens his mouth, you should listen. He's been there since 1969. He know a lot. And so I listen now. He's not one of the coworkers that I speak to. We, we don't speak. We don't talk because we have nothing to talk about. We don't have the same interests. He disagrees with me and that's, I'm okay with that. Don't care. But I know like when people are talking to listen. And so as a freshman to them, I did way too much talking. I should have did more listening. I should, I should humble myself. Y'all should do y'all damn jobs. That's what y'all should do. Y'all should make sure that the constituents that you're paid to represent you actually listen to. You should make sure that you see your constituents once a week so they have access to you. Remember that $150,000 that you make with that good health insurance and that free dental comes from the taxpayers. The taxpayers pay your salary. Humble yourself. But as a freshman, you get, you got to figure it out. I can say that I've been able to call my coworkers and say, hey, I need help with this or 
me and my team quite don't understand. And they're still doing that for me. So I won't say that. But literally, there are some really nice racists in the city of Chicago that are city council members that will feed you food and candy and then say racist stuff. So you, you, these are conversations that you overheard. You're, no, I, I just want no, to these sure. are conversations that you hear. So sitting in the middle row, you get to hit a front row and you get to hit a back row. And so even when I was sitting in my seat for COVID, that was my favorite seat because I could hear everybody talking, everybody talking smack, and they were sick of her as well. Nobody was saying nothing. They was just like, oh, every time I turn around, she doing like you hear all of that there. So mm -hmm. I was in the best seat in the house because I got to hear how really people felt about the Black Caucus how they felt about their black co-workers, but how they felt about the black mayor. Them same people, every time she called them up to the front, they was running up there. So I was like, to your point, it's like high school. You got a bunch of fake and phony people who he he and ha ha in your face, but then get on their phone and go text in the group, I can't stand her. Tell me to my face. Yeah, That's how that real conversation is. You're bold enough to say it. You're bold enough to think it. And so you're absolutely right. It is high school, but it's high school that hurts our communities. Like we got to make legislation that helps everybody and not hurt anybody. And too often, I got a coworker that if you say Holocaust, you say Jew, she jumps right out of her seat like you. she lost her mind. But let me talk about Black History Month. Let me talk about Juneteenth. Nose all turned up. Go sit down and have several seats. <laughs> You don't like it, move. Uh, all right. Uh, I could do a lot of follow-ups, but uh, let's move on. Uh, the, the Ed Burke riff uh, was a very interesting one, I have must say. Uh, I th Ed Burke's reputation, I just have to add, it, it was to always uh, try to build uh, his coalition. So I remember Sue Garza telling me that she, he showed up at a fundraiser of hers soon after she got elected. But I guess by the time you got around, he he was already on the ropes. He'd already been indicted. So his days of reaching out to Alderman to hold on to his power may have been over. Uh, the notion of him walking by and not saying anything is uh, it goes against the grain of everything I heard about him in terms of how he deals with other Aldermen. Uh, I'm a communist. I'm a, I'm a communist. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I'm a communist. Now, I'm the only black democratic socialist up there. And that's what you thought to call me? Yeah, you are. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you are. I had to think about that when you said that. But yes, you are. Uh, uh, all right. So um, I'm going to refrain from doing a Ed Burke uh, diatribe and just move on. The man's not even in the city council anymore. So I'm just going to move. Well, actually, he's still technically in the city council, but his days are almost through. May be the last. Um what a history, Chicago. What a history. All right. Term limits. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. We should have term limits. There's no way you sitting there for 20, 34. That man's been lo there longer than I've been alive. I'm 48 years old. <laughs> yeah. Really? That's what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. He's been there since 69. So that's 31, 53. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Uh, all right. Uh, so... Once a month, uh, journalist Dave Glowatz comes on my humble little podcast, and he has uh, city council clips from the previous meeting. 
And I'm, I, there's no reason for me to be modest here. In my humble opinion, Jeanette Taylor, it is, in my opinion, the best synopsis of what went down at the city council. Shout out Dave Goatz. He sits through the city council meetings. He puts together clips. We play sizable chunks, and then we riff on them, just like you and I are riffing right now. And it's all improv. It's all impromptu. There's no script. And uh, fascinating. You hear the voices of the aldermen at debates. And uh, so last, you were a, a big star of uh, last, the last show we did, which dropped on Tuesday, uh, which had to do with the city council meeting. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think it was mid-March, uh, March 15th, I want to say, whatever. It was the last one. Uh, and fascinating debate. Uh, about uh, helping uh, the immigrants who are being bussed into the city of Chicago uh, from Texas by Gregory Abbott, the governor of Texas, just one of the most cynical moves of all cynical moves uh, that I have seen in a while. I guess Ron DeSantis is even more cynical. He flew uh, migrants from Texas to Florida and then flew them to Martha's Vineyard. That's more cynical than what Abbott's doing uh, claiming there's a crisis at the border and then just moving immigrants uh, to Chicago. It is a crisis, him. He the crisis. <laughs> him and the damn Border Patrol, they the crisis. Trump the crisis. And somebody call me when they take him to jail, okay? Call me, because I don't see it happening, but let me know. Uh, well, he, oh, that's a whole other story. I'm still yes. waiting. I'm waiting for my text to tell me. We talk about it all the time. Um, uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump, his pending indictment in New York uh, for paying off uh, the porn star. All right. But putting aside uh, Donald Trump for a moment, uh, I welcome, this is just me talking. I welcome the, the new residents of Chicago, 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 the city of Chicago essentially had planning programs that moved people out of the city. Chicago's property tax system is moving more people out of the city. Chicago's made it clear. They definitely don't want poor black people in the city of Chicago. They made that clear <laughs> over the last, Last 20 years, at least. Tell me you hate years. poor people is what I say. Tell me you hate poor people without telling yes. me you hate poor people. Yes. They don't want poor people in the city of Chicago. So we need people. On the one hand, they go, let's move all these poor people out of the city of Chicago. And then they turn around to that table and go, oh, my God. The socialists, the radical socialists have made Chicago so unlivable, the population's falling. Hello? Wasn't the radical socialists who moved all the poor people out of the city of Chicago? Had nothing to do with it, wasn't in office, and was not there. It's you idiots who don't want to pay your fair share of taxes. That, that, that's why we, and so for me, when it comes to the migrants, there, and let me say it again for the people in the back who continue not to hear me, have nothing against the folks who fled from their countries because of whatever to come to the land of the free, the home of the brave. I'm still trying to figure out who is for, but definitely not for me, but I digress. All right, so uh, Chris, producer Chris, why don't we play the uh, the riff from uh, Tuesday's show, uh, the tape uh, or clip, I should say, of Alderman Jeanette Taylor, and then uh, Jeanette, uh, when it's done, just explain to people what was going on. Producer Chris, I've said it time and time again. I wanted us to have a conversation about where these camps were in the community and how that we could help you, and it just seems like. 
we picked places and we decided or we didn't get the decision. And the administration dropped the ball with telling folks where these camps would be. And so now that they are closing, we're getting more people in the community. So the one in Maria Hatton's community closed and those migrants were sent to, of course, Wadsworth, which is a closed school. All due respect, there should have been a conversation with us. As a matter of fact, this was a conversation that I asked for back in October, and I'm confused to how we're here again trying to pass something without still having a conversation. So I'm asking my coworkers not to vote for this. I made it clear to this administration in October, I had a part of the ward that I felt like could accommodate folks because they're Latinx speaking folks. And part of my ward is Latinx, but I wasn't listening to. No, act like nobody heard me and it went on deaf ears. And so we're here where we're asking for what, $20 million? No, point of clarification, Alderman Taylor. This is to accept the $20 million allocation that was given to the city by the state. It's a totally separate issue from the issues that you're raising. I still would want us to have a conversation with before we make any more decisions because we should have been consulted for on the front end and we're still not doing this. And it's funny how I asked for it not to be in my community and whoever made the decision for the Kmart, that just seemed it didn't happen. And so we're picking and choosing where we're putting them. And some people are not even having conversation. They're just popping up. And so and while it may not be on you, hold on, Madam Chair, your, your team has dropped the ball, period. And I've heard that from other aldermen. I've heard it time and time over again. And so this is problematic. And it's like we have doing things. What is the purpose of having a city council? What is the purpose of us being here? Not to be talked to, not to be used. And with all due respect, you y'all disrespected this council back in October. These were questions we were asking when DFSS was sitting here and she said nothing. Nobody came to me and said, Alderwoman Taylor, we're going to change a closed school that already hurt the community, that already put us back and turn it into a migrant camp. And let's not make this about us against the migrants because it's not. We're a sanctuary city, but we should have sanctuary for everybody. And the thought that regular homeless people can't walk up to this shelter and get in is problematic as well. There's a homeless woman that stays on 57th Street in my ward and King Drive at the bus shelter. There's somebody that lives on the Midway. We're not helping those folks, but we're helping everybody else. There is enough money for everybody to be taken care of. And DFSS and this administration needs to come to the table and have that conversation with us. And it just ain't happening. Well, with due respect, most of what you said is not correct. But I, this is not the time or place to have that. Almost everything that you said is not correct, particularly when you indicated that you did not want Hispanic migrants in the black section of your ward. We did look at the place that you recommended, it was full of asbestos and wasn't appropriate to house anybody. But this is not the time or the place. There was communicated that there to was me? A, that I know was communicated to you no. by, by me and by members of our team. But no. this is not the time or place for this discussion. My understanding is there was a full discussion and debate in the budget committee on this. People, you were obviously, as a member of city council, entitled to weigh in on any issue. The chair recognizes Alderwoman Harrison. I discovered a few weeks ago driving down Lakeshore Drive because I saw people milling about and they were milling about at the old uh, Ramada Inn. So I sent my ward superintendent to find out what was going on because my residents that live over there were calling, wanted to know what was going on in the Ramada. They were hoping the center where there's a restaurant and conference rooms and a bar that the neighbors had used for so long, which closed during COVID and had boarded up windows, was finally going to get some work done to it. My ward superintendent went over there 
saw the OEMC truck and asked, are these migrants? The answer was yes. They're here every day. They've been here since last year. No one has talked to me. This is your staff. Ask them, ask Rachel. This administration had conferences with the Latino caucus and nobody had any conversations with anybody else. So when my constituents are calling, wanting to know what's going on, I can't tell them. And that budget, when I asked them to provide me a list of the people that who made the decision, they said the department, the department doesn't talk. There are people whose parents have given them names. And I wanna know who is making these decisions, not talking to anybody. And then they say, oh, we're sorry. You're not sorry because you've been doing it for more than six months. And so that's why I oppose this. All right. The last speak you heard was Alderwoman uh, Leslie Harrison in the Fifth Ward, which is on the south side. Uh, in after, Right before her, you heard Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I'm pretty sure you guys all figured that out. And uh, my guest, Jeanette Taylor, began it. And we play. Those are examples of what we do. We play the law. We, we play it. And then we discuss it, uh, Jeanette. And that was the debate. Uh, and there's just so much to unpack there. Uh, but essentially, uh, Leslie, it was important to play the Leslie Harrison part because she was essentially seconding the criticism you made. There was no communication between the City Hall uh, and the, the local alder women. But the local alder people were on the front line, so to speak, when residents were complaining or had questions. So why don't you take it away and unpack it? Uh, you can start wherever you want. Particularly, you may definitely have to deal with Mayor Lori Lightfoot saying you got the story wrong. So take it away, Jeanette Taylor. So absolutely. So in October, I got a call from folks in my community saying that they're working on the old Wadsworth. They're like, have you made the decision to figure out what's going to happen with Wadsworth? I said, no, I promised you all that we would have an RFQ or RFP to decide what to do with the schools. But we would have a community conversation. We wanted to honor what those spaces used to be and the community decide what they will become new. Because people have come to me and, and proposed stuff. That's not going to come from me. That's going to come from the entire community. It's not just on me. We live in it. It's called community for a reason. And so when I called CPS first, because that's who I called, I was told it was some routine maintenance. That's what I was told by CPS. Then I text Lori, which I got the receipts. So it's easy for her to run her mouth and say what I said or I didn't say. I got the receipts on my phone. I said, so you're, you're, you're doing a shelter in my ward without talking to me or without consulting me. In the text, she admits her administration dropped the ball. They dropped the ball a lot. Someone should have called you. And so I was, I was livid because you're, you're spending all of this money in a building that ain't been used for a couple of years. It was a school. Um, we, we, we got plans. People want that building to be something repurposed that we decide. I was told after it went out to the media, because sometimes you got to call people out. After it went out to the media, I got a call and said it wasn't happening. Let's move to December. What was this, the week after Christmas? I get a call to say, we need to revisit Wadsworth becoming a migrant camp. Okay, let's revisit that. So we had the, the community meetings where it was obvious they already made the decision. So what did you have a community meeting for? So you could check off the box? Because that's all it was. Because the community literally said to you, no, let's not do that. We want it to be something else. Um, this doesn't seem safe for anybody. 
is there other spaces for them to go? I got Precious Blood Ministry. I got Sukasa that's in my ward and back of the yard neighborhood council to find empty spaces in the Latino part of the ward so that they would have access to food that they're used to eating. They would have people who actually speak Spanish. And that part of the ward has a bunch of community organizations that could help. So they're not just roaming the streets like they're doing in Woodlawn and hanging out. But I wasn't listening to because it wasn't her idea. And remember, that was during budget season. And so the DFSS commissioner, Brandy Kanazi, never said anything. She didn't come to me and say, hey, Alderwoman Taylor, I just want to let you know we're thinking about turning Wadsworth. Nobody said anything to me. It wasn't until my community called me. And so you made the decision that, that folks should move in Wadsworth and you disregarded not just me. You disregarded, the, you disregarded the taxpayers in my ward and the voters by doing this. And then now it's messy. So we've already had someone who tried to commit suicide. They are hanging out in the community like visitors because they have nowhere to go. There is no real plan. And so for me, it's this rhetoric of, oh, because the governor of Texas sent them here, you ain't no better because you ain't got a real plan for them. Willie Cochran's daughter, ex-alderman Willie Cochran, her name is Ashley Cochran, shout out to Ashley, ran a shelter in, in 2015 in Washington Park that nobody knew existed. Want to know why? Because she took them to the doctor. They took them to spaces so that they could have some type of enjoyment. Whatever business they need to take care of, she made sure they, they were taken care of. Nobody ever knew it existed because they had a plan. This is y'all threw some bill, y'all threw some people in the building with some resources and they got to figure it out. So you didn't have a plan. You did this for a political game so that you could look a certain way. So now you got people in the middle, you got Latinx folks in the middle of the black community with no real support. Now, one thing I will say about Woodlawn, while they did not like the decision, they have stepped up. They brought donations over. They've helped out in whatever way they can. This is not on me on my community. This is on the administration for not having a plan, not sitting down and working with the other 50 people. And so she is responsible. The blood is on her hands. It just is because this did not make sense. It didn't have to go this way. Like I'm an organizer. I'm not a politician by any I said and gave you a plan to say, hey, meet with all, not just the, just the Latino caucus, meet with everybody so that people could say, hey, I got an empty church in my ward. Well, I got an empty space in my ward that we could accommodate. There are some spaces, up, but you didn't do that. You pick and chose who you talk to. There were white aldermen who said no. And I know for a fact, and I'm not throwing them up under the bus because I'm not going to get their names, who said no, and it didn't happen in their wards. So yeah, we don't listen to the white man, but the hell with the black woman, who's honestly trying to help the migrants. And I'm 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 a, I'm gonna stop at this. This is a country full of migrants. It is the only people that were imports were people that look like me. And so don't give me that shit about what you tried to do because if they were important, if that was the most important thing, if you wanted to do right by these people, you bring people together and say, how do we help them in the best way? And I love my Latinx part of the world. Anytime I've called on them, they kick butt, including Craig Chico. I give Craig Chico his props, his props. I have to, because when I called him, he said, Jeanette, we'll find some space. It's not big for a hundred people, but we can maybe help 25. And so this was the thing of you just totally ignored what the elected officials see. But this is automatic prerogative that people 
kind of like said, like we thought it was okay. They all thought it was cute during the inauguration when she was shaking her head doing all this. Oh, okay. And it worked out for us. How? We're going out as we came in. Uh, not only in this particular show, but in terms of the administration. Uh, and we talked at the outset of this show, uh, reminiscing about that speech that Mayor Lori Lightfoot gave at the Wintrust uh, Taxpayers Paid For Arena uh, when she got sworn in in 2019 and all the aldermen were sworn in uh, in 2019. You're right, where she did call out the aldermen and uh, she did uh, sort of humiliate them a little bit. And that mistrust... That began with that speech. Absolutely. A totally gratuitous, unnecessary shot at Alderman. I make fun of Alderman more than anybody. Okay. <laughs> but they're elected by the people to be the people's representatives. Absolutely. I, there are a lot of them I don't like, Jeanette. I'm just going to tell that to you right now. You but know. the people elected them. I can't do anything in the 14th Ward. Voters elected Ed Burke year after year after year. Because he That's gives away free like. turkeys and hams, he gives away toys. Well, I'm Not now going, job, great. I'm going to tell the uh, the the voters of the 14th Ward what the advice that I heard Harold Washington give: take the turkeys and vote for the oh, other please. guy. Thank okay. you, thank you. That's what I've been telling the other people: take the money and vote for Brandon. Go right ahead. <laughs> Get your bag. <laughs> they got a saying that Paul Vallis has a saying: if your price is five thousand, he makes it ten thousand. Get your bag. Get your money, but vote for Brandon. Uh, anyway, oh, we're going to get to that. Uh, we'll close with that. Uh, but so anyway, going, going in, uh, leaving as you entered, uh, fighting unnecessarily. And I just want to say I've been following city politics for 40 odd years or something that you, if you're the mayor, you have to work with the local alderman on any initiative because you want them to buy in. And I, I criticize daily, like, so much mm -hmm. but he was very skillful at that now the problem is baby daily richard m daily he was good at this jeanette he would work his people would call you up okay and say uh, what you want get what off you, my fifth what's floor. it gonna take is get really out of what my they're city saying. Hall. absolutely he understood yeah but he also was born and raised in chicago he understood neighborhoods she didn't mm. she from but, ohio she does not get the dynamics of chicago and it and it's the same thing with the superintendent. It took him too long to get acclimated with what happens in Chicago when it comes to the police and community relations. You can't come from some, and it's just like Paul Vallis, you ain't lived here in years. Go back wherever you came from, bye. Go, go be the mayor there, hell, go be the superintendent. Just get anywhere from here, shit. Uh so, uh, but I was just going to say this: the, the, Daly was no saint. If he reached oh, out he to you, as the day was long, yeah. So if he re he reached out to you and said, "All right, what what will it take?" and you said, "Not it'll take you doing something completely different," that he would just uh, go to war with you. So I'm just saying he wasn't a saint. I'm just saying he would have reached out. He would have had someone reach According out. According to, to my coworkers who who are leaving the city council, it was not like this under Rom or under Daly. Yeah. Well, I you know I'm. Cuss both of them out. So <laughs> you can't really ask me. I think there's some selective. I think there's some selective memory going on with some of your aldermen leaving the city council. Okay, Rom. I don't recall Rom ever like holding back back and said, uh, we don't want the schools closed. I don't recall well, he that. He also will go in the back room and make a deal with him. What you want? Well, okay. 
What's it going to take as classic Chicago? Like, what could I get you to get up off this damn TV and off my city hall floor? (laughs) Rom and Daly both did that. She didn't. Which is how people had a little respect for it. Because I'm like, okay, you ain't willing to deal in your yes or your yes or your no is no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. But that's not what you did. Uh, All right. uh, So I just got a text from uh, one of my listeners. And um, here are the polls. Now, you just mentioned this. This is fascinating. Here are the polls. It's all, uh, the last few polls, Vallis, 46%, Johnson, 33%. This is in uh, February. Uh, in March 6th, Vallis, 45%, Johnson, 39 uh, Just today or yesterday, Vallis, 46 Johnson, 44 And this is what I was saying at the outset of the show, Jeanette. Vallis, 46 45 He's so close. Oh, my God. Oh, Paul wakes up every day going, I feel it. I feel it. This is the day I'm going to look in the mirror, mirror, mirror. Who in the wall? Who's the mayor of Chicago? You, Paul. And uh, absolutely not. <laughs> and you messing up my favorite fairy tale. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can't believe I got a rhyme out of that. I could be a rapper. Um, so no, uh, <laughs> no, you're not going to be a rapper. You, you, man. Now, you know that I love you, but you're not going to be a rapper. I, I can't. can't be a rapper. No, because you be rapping about old politics, and I live in that. I, I don't know. No, thank you. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, maybe if we're really lucky, I'll uh, encourage uh, Jeanette. She did this once before, uh, twice, sing a Stevie Wonder song. She may, she's younger than me, but somehow or other, she, she knows Stevie Wonder. I won't rap, but she may sing. All right. So. I'm not doing those. I'm going to the new edition concert tonight. That's what I'm gonna be saying. Not seeing it. And we trust. Oh, the way. <laughs> well, you paid for it. You might as well. Absolutely. Uh, so all right. Um, forty-six percent. I'm telling you. You know that you looks like the feeling. Sometimes it's who they're polling. They don't poll everybody. That's my problem with these polls. They don't give you the demographics of who they're polling. And so for Paul Vallis, I'm sure they're polling white Chicago. You ain't going to tell me if we looking at who's polling. I guarantee you there's a small percentage of black people that they might be calling, but it's mostly white Chicago. And that's the problem with the polls. The polls aren't always as honest and as transparent as we need them to be. And we don't know what were the Q questions. So I struggle with those polls as well. I honestly do. Because if we looked at the polls, Brandon was never supposed to be in the runoff. And uh, yet we're here. He is here. All right. So uh, I get these uh, Vallis people that call me up and they go, Ben, uh, they, they talk so much trash. Oh, my God. Vallis people talk so much trash, Ben. It's all over for your guy. It's like they don't even want to have the election. <laughs> anyway, it's all that your guy can't win. We're even going to win in the black communities. We got Bobby Rush. We got Jay Mal Green. We got Jesse White. We got Walter Burnett. You got all the sellouts and the coons in the community? How nice. So um, your thoughts on how the black community is going to go in this election? I don't know. It's the same thing when you got all these black electeds in a race. You just really don't know how it will go. And so for me, if you have a relationship, so I have a relationship with Brandon. I've known Brandon for over 20 years. You're going to go with your friend. But if your friend is wrong, you can't go with your friend. If you know the damage that your friend has done. And so some people, and so I'll use Anthony Bill because me and Anthony Bill are cool. We're, I could call him. He's honest with me. And he called this. He said it was going to be between Vallis 
and Brandon. Literally, he called this when I couldn't see it. He's known Vallis for years. That's his friend. I clearly understand you going that way. That's fine. For me as a black person, I've already lived the damage of what Paul Vallis has done. And so I don't care how much good he's done. He did worse by the people that we need the most and it's young people. It's why they out. This is what we're dealing with when it comes to young people in our community are direct result of probation and charter schools being built and closing black schools, which a lot of that crap started with Paul Vallis. Let's not forget. And so for me, You've already had an opportunity to mess up our generations to come. You think I would give you an opportunity to do that to the city? It's a no for me. But of course, what's going to happen? Black women are going to save the election. That's what's going to happen. We do it all the time. I mean, thank us April 4th, Ben. Make sure you say it. Thank <laughs> no, us. No, it's true. It's true. Black women have saved this country. And but keep getting mistreated. Most disrespected, Malcolm X said better than anybody else, most disrespected person in the world is the black woman. But y'all keep on us to be the Powerpuff Girls and save y'all before dinner time. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. In, in Georgia, oh my Lord, how many times? Mm. We... Sleepy Joe. Yeah, and Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe, come on. Oh my goodness, that brought back memories. Uh, Candace Castillo, you already mentioned her. Come on the show in 2019. She hasn't been on in a while. Come on, Candace. Stop hiding. Uh, they and, like crazy, I promise you, including me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2019, and you would come on to uh, Jeanette, and both of you, were, neither one of you for uh, Joe Biden. You were to the left of Joe Biden. Uh, and I we love those. Are still my man. We're still, we, had, had we got Bernie in, we wouldn't be here. That's all I'm going to say. Touche to all the people who hate socialists. And rem let's let's remember what socialist is. We believe in people power. And so look what we're dealing with now. People who got into office and lied to us. I just want to remind you that the black women told you, but y'all didn't listen. You know what? That's a good a spot as any to leave it because I, I just, I, we are in total agreement on that one. Should have listened to Bernie. 2016, you should have listened to Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> and now y'all mad because yeah. we got all of this money to bail out the country and we do what we always do. We bail out the corporations and, the, and everybody else but us. So you oh. didn't bail out the people again, but you bail out the corporations. Y'all bailed. Look at all of these nurses going on strike. Look at the teachers in L.A. Because you didn't bail out the people. You didn't bail out the people. Y'all doing the same crap expected. They ain't going to be satisfied to people are tired of talking about equity and want revenge. And that's a country that y'all are creating. You can't keep telling me to wait. How long are black people supposed to wait? We've been waiting for 500 years. I'm tired of waiting. This is a country that could afford to take care of us, but we'll go help the people in other countries. Y'all can't even help your own people. We the only country that'll drop a bomb on you and then drop food boxes to you. You can't make this up. You cannot. Yeah. Tell me I'm lying, Ben. No. You know politics. You know what happened. So we bomb y'all, but then we're going to drop some turkeys <laughs> on y'all. Yeah. And then uh, try to make ourselves feel and better. And then we talking about the land of make America great again. What is it great? Because <laughs> yeah. I missed it. Maybe I wasn't born yet when it was great. Ben, you tell me. No, I, I was born a little bit before you, and it wasn't that great when I was born. Hold on. I'm just, just looking to make sure. 
uh, just before I let you go, let's see, has Trump been indicted yet? Well, hold on, I'm looking at the paper right now. Not yet. I said, call me when he go to jail. Ben, uh, <laughs> I need you to call me when that happens. Cause it ain't don't worry. Somebody, he having a, a, a rally cause he about to go to jail. Sir, if you go to jail, I'm going to come visit you. <laughs> uh, and she'll bring a cake, but there'll be oh, no, no, it, no, I will not bring him a cake. <laughs> There'll be no file on the cake. It would just be listen. It would be no cake. He ain't. I'm not bringing him no cake. Uh, all right, no cake bring for Trump. Trump. It ain't gonna be a cake. He better uh, not eat it if I bring him a cake. How about that? There, uh, that's a good recommendation. A good, some good advice. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, thank you so much, uh, and congratulations on winning. Thank you. Uh, and in four years, we'll be Mayor Taylor. Just kidding. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you take a lot <laughs> on me. Then, then you're going to have to come from behind the mic. I'm going to need you at city council. If I become the mayor, you got to work on my transition team, and you got to work at city council. But you can get on the radio and talk about us, too. You can do yeah. that. <laughs> it won't work that way. Let me tell you something. Here's advice to all wannabe uh, mayors, aldermen, whatever, anybody. Don't hire me to do anything for you. <laughs> okay? That's the first thing I would tell you. Don't hire me. All right? Listen, I know you're going to be honest. I know you're going to tell the truth. And I know you're going to call BS when it's, when you see it. So why would I not hire you? That's uh, all my coworkers did that. We would almost have a perfect city. Yeah. Wow. A perfect city. What a thought. Um, all right, Jeanette, thank you so much. I'm not going to, I always say this, I'm not going to let as much time go between interviews because it's so much fun talking to you. Uh, and then when I heard your voice, when Dave played that clip that we just played, I was like, I have to reach out to Jeanette. I haven't had her on the show in so long. So, Since you've been running the clown circus. That's, yeah. <laughs> you've been watching the circus as it unfolds. Oh, my God, the circus of this, uh, this mayoral election. What a circus. Anyway, uh, she is Jeanette Taylor, the uh, alderman of the 20th Ward, newly reelected, going to serve another four year term. Uh, bring her back real soon to talk about the city council, the dynamics of the city council. We didn't even get to that. We'll get to that the next time you're on. New yeah, mayor. We have the inauguration so we can talk all about the outfits and where we were at all that. Let's yes. talk about that. Inauguration, I wish I had talked to you because I was like, Lord have mercy. I got to walk past Rom and his wife. I was so irritated. <laughs> I don't know what to do. No, I remember that. Like, How you doing? I just looked at him and kept walking. My I, husband I, was like, he spoke to you. I said, I heard him. And yeah. we kept walking and sat in our seats. I remember that. Rom was there. Daly was there. Uh, yeah. Prisker was there. Who was there? What's the last name you said? J.B. Prisker. He was there with his Oh, yeah. J.B. He was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, come on, JB, come join the mayoral campaign. Come on out and make an endorsement. How about that? All right. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, thank you very much. I also want to yeah. thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job. And I think Jeanette will agree with me when I say, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Plenty of petty cash for Chris. Don't forget, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, columns from Ben Jarofsky, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find more from the Ben Jarofsky show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.